Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. This is a very special time of the year. Uh, Yes, Christmas is kicking off and we have everything that's going to be going on with all the festivities, but I'm going to speak to a time that is very specific for my generation and what we grew up with. This was the time of the year that was bringing the greatest day of the year. And yes, Christmas is up there and our birthdays were up there, but this was even more special of a day. And I couldn't wait and I would wait and wait. And every time when I came home from school, I was hoping that this was the day. Now, if you're from the 80s or born 70s, 80s, you know what I'm talking about. The rest of you are like, we have no idea what you're saying, Jason. I'm going to say two words, well, three words, really. It's a store, JCPenney catalog. You know this. The JCPenney and Sears catalog would come in an encyclopedia-sized book. And this would come in the mail, and when it would come, I'd come home from school, and when I saw it was there, it was greater than Christmas Day in a lot of ways because it wasn't Christmas yet, and this now sets up the entire Christmas season. So it was right about this time, early December, the catalogs would arrive. Now, what do you do with said catalog? This is what you do. You drop everything. If you had homework, you don't care. All life stops. I would take the catalog, I would lay on my stomach, and I would grab different colors, pens and markers, and we would slowly go through every single page possible, and we would circle what we wanted for Christmas. This was our Christmas wish list. And for the things that you really, really wanted, a circle didn't suffice, because obviously uh, parent or grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles, friends, they're not gonna get a circle. What you really, 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 really wanted you would circle a whole lot of times. And I would get the red marker for this one, and I would circle it, and I'd put stars by it, and then I'd put an arrow, I really want this. And this was not a simple, like, let's just start the process. This was days of surgery to make sure I can really dig through everything and get that exact thing I want, because no kid wanted socks for Christmas. (laughs) Now, there's the other side of this. If I'm hasty and I circle things I don't want, I'm now in danger of potentially getting that for Christmas. So you didn't just do this once, you did it multiple times. There was the first run, the second run, the third run, and so on. Because if you circle the thing, you're like, eh, I don't know if I really want pound puppies for Christmas, but I have to circle something, you get a pound puppy, then you're mad if you're me. So this was a, just a ritual of kiddom that I'm so sorry that these generations can't do because it kicked off the entire season. And this wish list was so exciting because you had the hope and anticipation of what was to come. Now, there was something that I wanted more than anything in the world in which I circled a whole lot of times. And I would put as many stars and tabs and do everything I could to get this. And this is what every boy wanted for Christmas. The G.I. Joe USS flag aircraft carrier. (laughs) The USS flag, G.I. Joe aircraft carrier, was seven and a half feet long. Back in 1985, it cost us $109.99, and today's money, $304.63. 
wow. That's all I wanted. I wanted it so bad. And I would circle it. I never got it. I'm like, why didn't I get this? Why? I just wanted it so bad. Of all the gifts I had, why couldn't I get this one gift I couldn't understand? Maybe because who puts a seven and a half foot toy anywhere in their house? (laughs) But there were the kids who got it. God bless them. They would have that toy and you'd go to their house and they'd sit there like, look at my gift. And it was so exciting to see that and to be able to touch it and none of my friends did it. So I didn't have those friends, but the other kids did. And we would talk about the USS flag. They're like, it is the greatest thing ever created by humans. And this toy was just, it was like folklore among the boys. And the folklore of who had the USS flag and what does your mom or dad do for a living that can afford the USS flag. It was such a joyous time. And when Christmas came, I'd always go and look at the gifts because it's pretty obvious of a seven and a half foot aircraft carrier because I knew the dimensions of the box at Toys R Us. I knew the size of it. And I would look for that, and it was never there. Disappointed. At the same time, I had other things circled with stars and arrows, and I got those things for Christmas, and those were great gifts, but something always was a little disappointed. Maybe you can feel that way at Christmas, too. I really love, thank you for all these wonderful gifts, but I didn't get that one thing. Do you remember that feeling as a kid? Like, I just, I just really wanted this. There's always that disappointment. They talk about in the Christmas story, right? In the Christmas story, Ralphie, you know, didn't get his gun, and his dad says, oh, there's always next year. Not for the USS flag for me. I never got it. Now, if I try to buy it uh, in aftermarket, several thousand dollars. So <laughs> if you're looking for a gift to me for Christmas, please look on eBay for me. So <laughs> when we make our wish list, and we can all relate to this in some form or fashion, We still have wish lists as adults, young adults, and teens. Maybe it's not for Christmas, but we have this wish list. This is our wish list, and usually yours comes out on January 1st. I wish I was thinner. I wish I was faster. I wish I had that brand new Ford F-150. I wish I made more money. I wish I had a better relationship with my kids. I wish I was being more spiritual in my life. I wish, I wish, I wish. We can create this wish list of things that we hope come into our lives, but the truth is we very rarely actually work at them. So that's the joke among everyone. This, if this is you, uh, I'm not making fun of you. This is just a fact among people who are into health and fitness is January is just a slew of people in there, right? Everyone gets their Planet Fitness cards. Everyone's like, this year is my year. Totally going to work out. This is my year. And we always just said, wait till February. Because we would go to the gym and at, like, all the bikes are full, all the treadmills are full, and you see all these people with their brand new Christmas outfits, looking super great, and we would, you know, you couldn't get on a bike, you couldn't get on the weights, and, you're, and we would just say, just wait till February. And sure enough, as soon as the end of January hit, it was completely empty again. I'm like, ah, back to getting onto my treadmill. What happens to us? What happens that we give up so quickly on wishes and give up so quickly on our dreams? What is it that as we got older, the excitement of something that can change our life starts to diminish? Maybe we've been through so much of life that we look at a wish list, we're like, I'm not going to get it, so why circle it? I'm tired. Listen, man, I hear what you're saying, Jason. I was that guy at Planet Fitness, and I've just decided, you know what, why even try? Because I know I'm going to quit in February. And perhaps our wish list just becomes so large that we start to just say, you know what, I'm not going to get what I want anyways. I have all these needs. It's better if I just live life and let it go. It's hard. Because really, as we grow and mature, and as we as adults and young adults and teens are growing, we have to start asking the question, what is the most important thing in my life, and what's the most important thing on my wish list? 
Is a new F-150 a very important list? Yes, I've circled it a lot. Not happening. Is getting thinner, healthier? But yes, those things are important. But what are really the most important life-changing things on our wish list? And do we actually even know what that would be? Now, we're going to dig into this. This series is a great series called Wish List. And we're going to create a wish list that we're going to ask God for this Christmas season. We're going to put together some themes. We're going to put together some things. And we're going to circle these. And we're going to star these. And something that's really cool about this, I know you're going to get it for Christmas. Let's pray as we start off today. Dear God, thank you so much for how much you love us. Thank you, God, that you have done something that we could never do ourselves. Lord, you did something amazing that you came at this season as we celebrate Christmas to come and save us. Lord, speak into our hearts today. Holy Spirit, do amazing things that would transform us to start to create a wish list that matters for eternity. Lord, that we would look beyond the simple things made of plastic and metal and paper and start to look to the things that last forever in your kingdom. We love you and pray it in your great name. Amen. So today's wish list, we're starting with something you probably never even thought of that you really wanted because whoever really thinks about this unless you get to a place where you think about it. That was a, kind of a weird circle there, but you know what I'm saying. We are going to ask for a leader. We're asking for a leader. We're asking for a leader in our lives, not just someone who's going to lead us, but we're asking for a leader that actually loves us. And we're not going to ask for just a leader that loves us. We're going to ask for a leader that loves us and cares about us. Now, if you've been around the block for some time, you've been around leaders, and there's good leaders and there's bad leaders. There's okay leaders. And there's leaders who care about their people, and there's leaders who care about their product. There's leaders who love their people. There's leaders that, leaders that put up with their people. There's all types of leaders, and we're asking for a leader that loves and cares for us. Because if you think about your life, how different is your life? What's the trajectory of your life change if you knew that your trajectory, that someone is leading you because they love you and care about you, which is a pretty big contrast to how we usually feel about God. Oftentimes, we start to look at God and his story for us, and it feels like he's leading us, but I don't really know if he's doing the best for me. Does he really, does he really make all these rules to make me happy, or is he putting these rules in place because he just wants them? And so we're going to look at a scripture today to look at why, God, we're circling this. We're asking for Christmas this year. We want a leader that loves and cares for us. We'll be in John chapter 10 today, verses 1 to 18. John chapter 10, verses 1 to 18 in your Bibles, in your Bible apps. Uh, it'll be on the screen behind me as I read. <clears throat> this is a big passage with a lot of word picture. And this is Jesus speaking. John chapter 10, verses 1 to 18 says this. Very truly, I tell you, tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he was brought out on his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Sheep and shepherds are a common sight. It's something very normal. We are in rural Wisconsin, so driving through mid-Wisconsin, you see farms and cows all the time. That's our thing. Sheep and shepherds is their thing. Very, very common sight. And for the first century Jewish person, they had this word picture of God being their shepherd. So Jesus giving this analogy is not a far stretch for them by any means or hard to actually understand or comprehend. Because the difference here is that a good shepherd cared about his sheep. Good shepherds are individually responsible for those that were in his care. And a good shepherd cared about each one of their lives. N.T. Wright in his book, John for Everyone, helps us understand this whole sheep and shepherd as his word picture. Listen to this. In the Bible, the picture of a shepherd with his sheep is frequently used to refer to the king and his people. In the modern world, we don't think of rulers and leaders in quite that way. We think of people running big companies, of presidents, of banks, and transnational corporations. We think of people sitting behind desks, dictating letters, or chairing meetings. Often such people are quite removed and from most of those who work in the organization. They seldom see uh, them face to face and probably don't know the names of very many in their company. But in the Bible, the ideal king is pictured as a shepherd, perhaps modeled on the shepherd boy David, who became the king after God's own heart. In a world where they knew about the intimate contact and trust between shepherd and sheep, this was their preferred way of talking about kingship. So this intimate relationship that happens with the shepherd and his sheep is this knowing and this relationship that was there. But when we think of leaders, we don't think of it that way. We think of leaders, we think of leaders who are very successful in doing what they do and are multiplying and making more. Successful leaders in our world are CEOs. Successful leaders run Fortune 500 companies. Successful leaders are high impact, high octane, high, 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 high. And Jesus comes in a totally different perspective and says this, I'm coming to know you. Think about that for a second. I'm coming to know you and care about you. And so this picture here of this leader is completely different than anything else that we had seen at the time. So Jesus is telling the story to Pharisees. Pharisees were the religious rulers of the day. Um, in, in Jewish terms, we could consider them more of like a council. We could use the word pastors or whatever we do. These were the religious teachers and rulers that were of the day. And their teaching of God in the Jewish way was a little off because they're constantly adding more and more rules to what they have to do to love and serve and have relationship with God. And Jesus in the scriptures over and over again takes the teachings of the Pharisees and says, you say this, but that's not true. It's actually this. So in the, in the Bible, if you always see these Pharisees in opposition to Jesus, that's because Jesus is teaching what God really wants 
versus what they were teaching the people. So there was this tension that was there among the religious leaders and Jesus, because they had put their interpretation into things. And now Jesus is saying, let me tell you what the kingdom of God is like. So he's teaching the religious rulers and saying, I am the good shepherd. It looks completely different than what you guys have been teaching. And he teaches this about these sheep and this pen. So this pen in the old times, in Jesus' time, we made of rocks. There'd be a large rock wall around it, and there would be a gate in which you would enter. So it didn't have the fencing like we have fencing, right? Like the see-through fencing. This is going to be a large rock uh, pen. And in this large rock pen, all the way around, the only way to get into this, unless going through the gate, is to jump over the rocks. The only people that would do that would be outsiders. But here's the problem. Sheep are afraid of outsiders. Sheep are completely afraid of outsiders. For those of us who have uh, pets, uh, dogs particularly, they can hear your voice and they're going to know your voice. Cats, no one should have cats. They're terrible animals. So <laughs> cats hear your voice, they run away. <laughs> just kidding, cat owners, sorry. Just my aside, I just, they just are not nice sometimes. Anyways. <laughs> So dogs, if you have a dog that knows your name, you can call its name, it'll hear you, and it'll run to you with its tail wagging. Hopefully, if you're a good owner. If you're a good owner. And so as this dog is able to hear it, so the sheep know, but they were highly afraid of outsiders because there is trust and there is safety and there's relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. Trust, safety, relationship. If there was not someone outside who's not the shepherd, someone who was an outsider who's coming to steal, someone who's coming to rob them, who's jumping over the rocks to grab as many of these sheep he can, the sheep would be afraid of them. They'd be afraid for just the other reasons. There is no trust. There is no safety. There's only fear. Only fear. This tension point here this morning brings us to this is that our Jesus is one who says, my sheep know my name, they hear me and they are with me, I know them and care for them, these are my sheep, and outsiders are going to go in opposition to that, and outsiders, you're going to, my sheep are going to run from them because they know the master's voice. Here's the tension. Do we know the master's voice? Because if you're a sheep and you don't know the master's voice, how do you know if it's an outsider or insider? And the, as this continual progression of post-Christian society, as we're growing, Christians who claim the name of Christ are not knowing the voice of Jesus. They're knowing the voice of what sounds good in our culture. What Jesus says oftentimes is in opposition to what human want, because our human wants are, we're, we're just not, very good sometimes as human with our sins and our issues. And, and Jesus came knowing that and loves us. And here's the problem. If we don't know the shepherd's voice, when someone else is calling you, how do you know who to run to? So it is a lot easier for me as, in a post-Christian society as a pastor to simply say, whatever culture wants is okay, and I'm going to give a thumbs up to that as a pastor because Jesus loves us. And so I'm just going to give a thumbs up. The tension point there is that that's not true because Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, follow me. Jesus said, obey me. Jesus said, drop everything, take your cross and follow me to death just like I have to go. And so he's a good shepherd and if I trust him and I know his voice and I believe that he has the best for me, why wouldn't I follow my good shepherd? Why would I follow somebody else who's leading me astray and is ruining my 
life. Just process for a second. Take any cultural context that you want to that is popular today. It doesn't matter. Just pick one. If it's outside the way of God's way, does it really honestly lead to happiness? Does it really honestly lead to joy and fulfillment for the individual? It doesn't. It may be instantaneous. It might be something that, oh, this is great for right now. It makes us believe and fools us, but the voice that's calling us is not the way of the master. The master is calling us, but God, your way isn't fun. Your way isn't popular. Your way doesn't make me feel comfortable. Your way is not what I want. But that is where we trust and we have to believe the shepherd's a good shepherd. The funny thing about this tension as well is that the shepherd's going to lead us places that we don't want to go. He's a good shepherd, and we're going to go to places, and there's going to be pain, because following the shepherd does not mean easy. It doesn't mean you get a ticket out of the hardship of life. What it means is that you have someone to follow. You have a leader. If you've ever had a good leader in your life, and I want to assume you have, if you've ever had a good leader, a good leader is not going to make things comfortable for you all the time. Because the good leader knows how to love you, but the good leader also says, we've got to go take the mountain. And going up a mountain hurts. One of the things I love doing, um, I, I, I do a lot of crazy stuff. One of the things I love doing is, I love Colorado. Um, uh, Mosaic Colorado, hopefully coming soon. Love it. Um, Colorado, to me, the first time I, I went there and I saw the mountains, I've never seen anything like it. Um, I just, I couldn't breathe to see this majesty and to see these beautiful mountains. And one of the things I learned to fall in love with is uh, packing into the mountains. Now, packing in is for those really crazy people where you just take what's on your back and you go in for days, seven days, 10 days. You're living off the land and what you brought with you and hope you don't sprain your ankle. Um, And make sure you're safe from big, large moose. That's a true story. Um, (laughs) Unbelievable thing to be able to go into that opportunity, to get into the mountains, to pack in. And one of the reasons why I love it so much, and one of the things that I love about that moment, is when I'm out there, it just feels real. And one of the things I had, I've had two excursions. One, I had a leader that was amazing. Went with this leader, because I'm from Wisconsin. I need a little help here, right? I like it, but I'm going to die. So I went with this amazing leader. We packed things in. We had all that we wanted, and it was hard. He's like, hey, I know it's hard. We're going to push through today. We've got to get to this checkpoint. Um, because we've got to get to the checkpoint side, even though you don't want to go, we've got to push. Got to put the miles in. And as a flatlander, I come in, it's hard to breathe. If you've ever been in the mountains, those first couple of days, you're just sucking wind. And he's like, I understand, we'll go slow, but we've got to get to this checkpoint. Leader got us around, fantastic experience. Then I went one with, with a bad leader. When I was very young, I went with some friends, who was, he, he was from Colorado, and I'm like, hey, what do we need to pack? He's like, I don't know, man, let's just grab some like, hot dogs and some Sprite. Okay, sounds good to me. We didn't have water. We didn't have a way to drink water. We had no supplies for the freezing night. He's like, just grab a any backpack and grab anything that you find. I was chafing all over the place. Um, I was super sick. I got really bad altitude sickness because he took me up too fast. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible experience. And the hard wasn't because he was leading me. The hard was he was leading me the wrong way. Jesus is leading us the right way and the hard is still there, but we have to look at it from a different perspective. And if the perspective is he is a good leader, he is a good, caring shepherd, and he cares for me, that even when it's hard, I trust him because I know where he's taking me is good. 
And our culture is fighting against that. And even Christian culture is fighting against that right now. And while you'll hear me say over and over again, let us go back to the word of God and let's go back to what Jesus is talking about because there's things in here that if we just listen to him, he has the better life for us. Why do we keep going to other shepherds? I wonder if we really know his voice at all. Josh Moody, in his book, God's Word for You, says this, Jesus' goal for his followers, those who enter through him, the gate, is that they would have life, but not just be alive forever in some existed, uh, extended existence of the mediocre or moderately fulfilling. No, he has come to give us life to the full or abundantly. Jesus does not promise us that our lives now will be pain-free. No one who care- follows this good shepherd who gives up his life for the sheep can expect an easy life. But everyone who does, not, who does follow him is promised a full life. Better to live fully, even at great cost, than to never truly live at all. Do you process your relationship with God this way? Is that tension there? Like, do you believe that he is the good leader that cares and loves you and that he is seeing you as one of his sheep in which he knows you intimately and has this conversation? Or do you see him as this angry, dictative God who's pointing his finger at you, ready to smite you? Do you see him as a leader who is saying, you know what, there's like, kind of like eating your vegetables when you're a kid, right? You know, I know this is good for me and your, your parent made, like, made you scarf it down, but you didn't like it. Now I love vegetables. What happened, right? But when you're a kid, you did it because you had to because it was good for you. So is your relationship with God, I'm doing these things because it's good for me? Or is he a good follower, a good leader, and I'm going to follow him because he is good? And I trust him that when he says, eat your vegetables, it's because he loves and cares for me. Our Father is a loving, amazing God, but sometimes the story gets blended, and the story starts to get blended when it comes up against things we want. Sheep are dumb. I don't know if you knew that or not. Sheep will follow the leader off a cliff. Sheep will blindly follow the one in front of them. My son uses a term that I... I, I phrase now, um, he was talking about how for him as a teenager, it seems like everybody tries to be the same. Everyone's just trying to fit in. Everyone's willing to do whatever it takes to be able to be accepted. I mean, if you're a teen, you're, you're like, yeah, I know that. If you all were teens at some point in here, if you're older, you remember what that was like. People are afraid to be individuals. People are afraid to take a stand for what they believe. They have to all go in line, and he calls them sheeple. Dad, why is my generation a group of sheeple? I said, it's not your generation, it's humanity. Because as sheeple, we all want to fit into the right thing and we'll listen to any voice that says, I love you. Any voice that says, I care about you. Oh, you care about me? No, you do? This is the right way? Now it's changed over here? It's changed 75,000 times, it feels like, just in my existence, let alone what's going to be for those who are older than me and for those who are younger, you're going to, everything that's now is going to change again. And so you're constantly moving and looking for who loves me, who cares for me, what's the right direction for my life, what is good, and there's one answer, Jesus Christ. He is the good shepherd. He is the one who has come to care and love for you. That's his choice. He wanted to do it. He said, I, put down, I laid down my life for my sheep because what a shepherd will do is a shepherd will lay in the gate that no outsiders get in unless they jump over those big rocks as to keep out all of the predators. And he would lay at the gate and he would give his life for the sheep. 
He is the gatekeeper, if you will, there to protect the sheep. There's one way in that predators would try to come, and that shepherd would sit there. And then when it was safe, he would open the pen, and then he would set them out to pasture, and he would let them eat and overlook them while they're there because sheep are dumb. So if one starts to go astray, he would lead that one back again, and then he would take care of all of his sheep, bring them back into the pen at night over and over again, caring for the sheep. God's life gives us life to the fullest. And I've been thinking about that now as I'm entering my third midlife crisis. About the things I have quote-unquote sacrificed since I've been a child to follow God. And so I thought about the things I didn't partake in, I did partake in, things, sacrifices, right? I've thought about the things that I've given up, the things I've said, no, that's not the way of God, whatever it would be. I've thought about some of those in my third midlife crisis. There is not one I will on my deathbed say I wish I wouldn't have done. Not one. Not, ex- not one experience. Because every choice that was of God, I'm like, oh my word, look at the repercussions and how that brought fulfillment of my life. All the way down here, it, it saved me from pain. It saved me from heartache. It saved me from drama. It saved me. Now, the things in which I did for myself, there's regret. Man, I wish I would have made that choice. Man, I wish I would have thought about that more. Man, I wish I would have listened to God and what he said, don't do that. And that's really as my third midlife crisis comes around here, I'm processing, when I am there, I want nothing left on the table. I want to put all in, push all my chips in, that I give the fullest life possible. And in my processing this, there is only one answer. And that answer is that which is done for Christ is for eternity. That which is done for now is burned up and gone. So that which is done for eternity, live my life for the fullest that I make an impact both here, now, and forever. That's living a life well-fulfilled. Yes, I'm on a stage, and yes, I'm a pastor, and that means absolutely nothing because you have the same calling in your life. Our roles look different, but you have the same calling because the good shepherd loves you and cares for you and is saying, are you living the fullest life that I'm offering, or are you listening to a bunch of different shepherds. Those who know the shepherd, those who know Jesus, hear him and says, hey, that sounds like my Jesus. When I say that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except by me, people who know that verse start nodding, saying, yes, that's our master. That's our shepherd. He said there is only one way to heaven. If you don't know the shepherd, you listen to these other teachers who are out there who have podcasts and books saying, Jesus is a beautiful way to God and there's lots of different versions to get there. Find your truth. That is a true statement happening in Christianity today called progressive Christianity. My shepherd says that's not true. My shepherd says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I think he's good with words. So if he meant to say, there's lots of ways he would have said that. But John 14, 6 makes it so very clear. And for those who know the shepherd, they hear that, hey, that's, that's my God. He never said there's lots of ways. And so what's happening is that we, as, as a post-Christian society, we're getting confused with all these messages. They start swirling around because we don't know the shepherd's voice well. That's why we exist. We exist for this purpose. We come together as a church family to make disciples that make disciples. And one of those aspects of the discipleship is that you have to know the shepherd's voice to talk about the shepherd. And so we're here training and equipping. Right now, we've got a Tuesday night group that meets and are absolutely killing it. I get reports every week from Nick 
his, eye, his eyes glowing, his smile big, because he's got a big smile. And he's, got, he's like, Jason, you have no idea what's happening right now. People are getting it that we are called to be disciple-making disciplers. They're owning their call to be one of the sheep and to go and to go out in, on mission with the Lord as God has created us to be a disciple-maker. And that, my friends, is why we exist. We exist so that we can teach you so you know and hear the shepherd, but we equip you and train you to go and talk about the shepherd too. Because as more and more, the further we go into post-Christian society, the further and further the truth of God is going to start becoming just a background noise. In fact, it will start to become hated. It's not going to be accepted. It's going to be like, oh, you're so old. I'm like, yes, Jesus was here 2,000 years ago. It's an old book. I get it. But we have to rethink the way we look at our shepherd. I want to read this passage to you again. And I want you, as we uh, end up our time here, to process this again through the eyes of this good shepherd. Listen to the words now and listen through it through the lens of where are you in your spiritual journey? In your Christmas wish list, are you asking for a leader that loves and cares for you? Because Jesus said, I'm right here if you want it. Let me read again, John 10, verses 1 to 18. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he is brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and the authority to take it up again. This command I received. From my father. This Jesus is offering a leadership that is not of this world. He is offering us something in which this good shepherd is willing to give everything and he knows your name. You're not a number on a registry, you're not a number that you walk into, you're not an employee who's easily replaced. You are not somebody who just happens to be around and then he dismisses you when he isn't happy with you. This shepherd knows your name and gives his life 
for you. And no one's going to take it from him, and no one is going to stop him. It's his choice, and he is laying at the gate to keep you safe. And he says, come. I'm here. I'm right here. Let me lead you, because when you know my voice and we go out to pasture, there's nothing to be afraid of. However, when the others come, they are not here because they love you. They're here because they want to kill you. They're here because they want to see you food. They're here to use you. They're here to abuse you. I'm here to protect you, to love you, to care for you, because I am the good shepherd. So this year for Christmas, we've started our wish list right on the top of the list. As we go through this series, it's going to be a lot of fun. Here's the Christmas wish list that matters. We're asking for a leader that loves and takes care of us. I really do think if you ask, you're going to get that for Christmas. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.